Good morning. Welcome to New Church Online. Thanks for joining us today. As we prepare for a moment of worship, I want to acknowledge the fatigue, concern, animosity, anxiety, uncertainty, among other lovely feelings I know many of us are experiencing right now. This has been a long and exhausting season, more so for some than others. But as I reflect, I'm reminded of the words Jesus spoke in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are burdened and weary, and I will give you rest. Because God is rest. God is at rest. He is not confused, alarmed, lost, troubled, afraid. He is not desperate or fatigued by the state of the world right now. He is at peace. Jesus says in John 14, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The world gives clickbait and argument ammunition. The world gives information to trouble and to make us fearful. Jesus does not give as the world gives. He gives you his peace. We are in this world. We love this world. We will care for this world. But we are not of this world. So as you sing or hum or listen or read, consider this song a personal prayer, a vocal commitment, and a declaration for your soul to not be overwhelmed because your God reigns, our God He reigns. See things like
James. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself from being unstained from the world. We are continuing the book of James, uh, almost through chapter 1, and today we're going to hang out on this idea of being not merely hearers, but doers. Not merely hearers of the word, but doers, practitioners. And when I think of the word to do or doers, dads come to mind. Dads are doers. Like, we do stuff. Dads do stuff. We don't always know what they're doing, but they do. What's dad doing? I don't know. He's in the garage doing something. Where's dad? I think he's in the yard doing something. What's dad up to? I don't know. He's in the car doing something. There's an activity associated with the office of being a dad. And really for all of us in some way, we're doers in whatever it is you do in life. And so James in this passage, he wants to steer us in the direction of not just being doers, but doing in the response to the word, to the logos. This letter is addressed to readers who already have faith in Jesus. This is the early church who, who had experienced tremendous growth, followed by really hard persecution. But if they can endure, they will receive the crown of true life. This chapter, let alone the entire letter, is full of warnings and imperatives. This morning we're looking at, don't merely be hearers of the word, but doers. Now the word word here in the Greek, while we may want to equate it with the Bible, isn't exactly talking about that. See, James couldn't just say, read the Bible and do what it says, because he didn't have a, the Bible to read. The Bible is about God for us. I love the Bible. It plays a huge role in how God is revealed to you and I. It's just not the whole picture in this passage. See, logos, in this word in the Greek, conveys a sense of divine reason. Order in the cosmos gives us form and meaning. The disciple John talks about Jesus in this way through the opening of his gospel writing. In John 1, in the beginning was the word, logos, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing could be made. The word is Jesus. The logos is God, active in creation, revelation, redemption. Jesus not only gives God's word to us humans, he is the word. So when James writes in verse 18 of this chapter, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. He's talking about new life 
through the truth of the word, the truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus. A couple weeks ago, we leaned into the message of being slow to speak, quick to listen. Now he moves to don't just listen, don't just hear, but also practice. Verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. James, in his proverbial way, writes in another real-life example, the mirror. He said it's like looking in a mirror and then forgetting and so deceiving yourself. Now, there are some mornings I look in the mirror and I would prefer to forget what I look like, especially at those hotels with the fluorescent magnifying glass mirrors, you know the ones, that you look in there and you're like, oh my gosh, when did my pores get so big? Like, why are there whiskers so high on my cheeks? What is the point of those mirrors to make us all insecure? But the mirror isn't lying, it just shows you what is. And simply forgetting or avoiding doesn't fix anything. Avoiding God's presence in your life doesn't make it any less real. I had a friend who I used to talk to about faith, and he would tell me that he didn't pray and he didn't like to pray because he figured if he didn't talk to God, then God wouldn't pay attention to what he's up to. Like avoiding anything doesn't really make it go away. Forgetting the reality of God in your life doesn't make him any less real in your life. Think about projects around your house or with your car, your to-do list. Things you say, yeah, I really need to get to that, but then you don't. I really need to take my wife out on a date, but then you don't. I really need to take a break from social media, but then you don't. I really need to make a dent in my credit card, but then you don't. I really need to start taking care of my body, but then you don't. You deceive yourself. Walking away and forgetting can become a habit, a dangerous habit. Forgetting what you see in the gospel can just become routine. Hearing, being convicted, and then doing nothing can become a way of life very quickly. Looking at Jesus, looking at the Word, allows us to look at our life and see where we might need a little touch-up. Places where we missed a spot, a little stain on the shirt. Maybe there's just some junk in your teeth that everyone else can see, but nobody's saying anything, and you have no idea. James says to remember the word, remember the perfect law. And that brings you freedom. That brings liberty. See, the gospel is not about piling on rules. It's about giving us real life. Think about how many of us are enslaved to, to worry, to anxiety. Philippians 4.7 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a call from Scripture to the church on how to live. Is it confining or is it releasing? Does it restrict your life or does it liberate it? I grew up on an island that served as part of the Outer Banks of New Jersey, the Jersey Shore. Uh, and this place is between the Atlantic Ocean and there was this huge eight-mile bay on the other side. And in the winter, the surface of the bay would sometimes freeze over. It would freeze a little. One time when my brother, one of my brothers and I were young, uh, we walked over to it and we were throwing rocks at it and poking at it. And we thought, that may be fun to walk on that. 
Now, this is a big moving body of salt water. And we ended up starting to walk out on the ice. And at first, we started by hanging on to the pilings of the dock and then, a, and then a fence. And eventually, we started to break away. And by the grace of God, a police officer came around the corner where we were. He saw us, and he pulled us in and drove us home. And then he told our dad, and that did not go well for us. And we knew what we were doing was wrong. We knew that it was potentially dangerous and harmful, but we were caught up in the fun. And fun can cause temporary amnesia. It was keeping us off the ice a rule to keep us from having fun? No, it's a rule to keep us alive. It's a rule to give us life. We give our kids rules not because we want to restrict, but because we want to give the best opportunity for success. In this perfect truth, that is Jesus, there is freedom. There is, re- there is freedom in receiving from God the gift of grace. Every summer, we get up to Hume Lake, and we just enjoy the creation up there, a beautiful place. But at first, when the kids were little, we started going up about 10 years ago, the lake seemed pretty scary. It's dark, it's still, mushy bottoms. You feel like something could just drop in there and disappear. And we take the kids, and you knew those life jackets, they were your life. Like That was going to happen. Can I swim? Not without your jacket. Can we go out on that canoe? Not without your jacket. Can I ride that raft? Not without your jacket. Can I go play? Put on your life jacket. Mom, I have to go to the bathroom. Put on your jacket. You wear the life jacket up there, you can do whatever you want. There is freedom. Receive and use this safety device and you're good to go. There is freedom in obedience because that's the way God intended it. That's the way God designed it. The world is less scary when you know you're safe. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to go through trials. James already talked about that. But ultimately, you know you are safe in the hands of someone who's greater than this world. Some of you know my oldest son is driving now. He's got a car. He takes care of it. He uses it. Uh, Sometimes we all take it to the beach. And it's been fun to watch him start to channel his inner dad because he hates sand. He hates getting sand in his car. I don't want to name any names, but one of his brothers is notorious for sandy feet in the car. The sandiest feet in the car. And Jet will yell back at this brother, Brother! And the brother's like, I know! And Jet's like, you say that, but there's sand all over my car. You say it, but there's sand all over my car. Oh, I, uh, I forgot! Like, you forget. You know, but you forget. In defense of this brother, he's super loving and caring. He's just 13, so it's his lot in life to bring sand into cars. That's what he's doing now. This is a big year for him. He needs to move a bunch of sand into people's cars. But what would help us with this idea? Because we all do it. We all trespass on our neighbor or brother or sister often. And maybe it's not just trying to remember the rule. Like, oh, what do they like or not like? What was the rule here again? No sand? Or was it sand or no sand? But remember to love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, if you love your brother and sister, you will listen, you will know, you will understand, you will care about what they care about. And it's not just trying to remember what am I supposed to do or not do, but remembering to love. Because you are loved. I am loved. See how that might change things? 
See, Jesus didn't replace rules with more rules. He replaced rules with love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Because here's the thing about the gospel. We talk about this word, this logos. When you look in the mirror, you may see flaws. You probably will see flaws. But Jesus just sees someone he loves. Jesus sees someone he loves. What if when we looked in the mirror of truth, the perfect law, it wasn't all about the work I have to do to improve, but rather that the God of the universe loves me. That when we talk about God so loving the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whomsoever would believe will experience eternal life, we're talking about the person that we see in the mirror. That that becomes the foundation of our identity. Not your look, your hair, your skin, your clothes, your car, your house, your Instagram account. That's the identity the world gives. But let's start with seeing ourselves as somebody who Jesus loves. That you can look at yourself and, and know and believe, God loves me. And then second, you see someone who in turn can love others. I wonder if walking away with that truth, that truth implanted in your heart, might just change the way you live, might just change the way you do things. So God, thanks for this morning. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love and acceptance. Thank you for your belief in us. Thank you for your presence here and now. Lord, we love you. I pray for anyone with a broken heart this morning, God, that you would begin to mend, that you would draw near, and that you would lift them up. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys, thanks for hanging. Don't forget your kids. See ya. Peace.